John chapter 6, and we're looking at bread, the bread of life discourse. A discourse is a long, long passage of scripture where Jesus has a discussion with those who will listen. And I said at the beginning of looking at the Gospel of John that, that as we look at the scriptures, the Gospel of John leaves out discourses about, about end time theology eschatology in particular, where he looks at and describes what's going to happen in the future. But there's many other discourses in this book that Jesus uses to teach us about our need of him. Because the purpose and the point of this book is that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And sometimes substitutes won't do I was thinking about that recently when um, I went to the store. And sometimes, you know, when we become, when we're children, we don't really care too much about the price of things. We let our parents worry about that. But then when we become old and we are the ones that got to pay the bills and buy the groceries, we begin to care about that stuff. And so maybe as a child, we would have looked across the aisle and seen someone with a pair of Nike Airs and, and, um, We wanted that brand name too, but then as we get older, we decide that maybe those things weren't as important. And that's the same thing sometimes, like with food. But I I still have this problem. I'm still kind of a picky eater. And when I was a child, my mother, she got Thomas's English muffins. And I liked Thomas's English muffins. But now that I, again, that I have to pay the bills and stuff, I'll take a substitute. So I went to the grocery store the other day, and I got the off brand of that muffin. And I went home, and I was making my muffin each uh, that one day, and I thought, oh, these just these aren't Thomas's. So then I went to the store, and I I saw I saw at a different store that Thomas's were on sale. Buy one, get two free. I pulled my wallet out. And I opened it up and I looked at the receipt and I go, I paid more for the off brand. (laughs) Sometimes just the substitute won't do. Yesterday, I bought Thomas's muffins. (laughs) And I'd been talking to Michelle, I think every day I'd say, Michelle, you know that these were, Thomas's were on sale. I could have had Thomas. Yesterday when I put them in the cart, she kind of gave me this look like, Mm-hmm. You've been thinking about that all week. And I said, yes, I have. When we get to John chapter 6. Last week we talked about and we had this discussion where Jesus fed 5,000 people and he brought the boat to shore. And in that in that discussion we looked at and And we saw that these guys were ready to lift Jesus up and say, this guy's the king. And we looked at reasons why. Like As they look at this, they see that Jesus is doing miracles just like Moses did in the wilderness. We saw last week about how how the Bible directly ties this to the miracles of Elisha. And so we see all this stuff come together and, and they're going... This is the Deuteronomy chapter 18 king. Let, let's go. And, and 
the next morning, these guys that are ready to crown him king and march down to Rome and, and take over the Roman Empire. It says that they look around and they can't find Jesus. Let's look at, at what it says there in verse 22 of John chapter 6. It says, On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there, except the one his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples, with his disciples, but his disciples had gone alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate the bread after they had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum. Seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? You understand how, how much these guys are, are ready and prepared to follow Jesus. Like, here's just a crowd of people that get in boats and they travel to the other side of the sea. And they're just completely ready to follow Jesus. But as we look at this, we see that they're following Jesus, and we learn that they're following him for the wrong reasons. In my mind's eye, I try to pick, picture 5,000 people. It's a lot of people. And then I try to picture what it would look like as I see like 5,000 people getting into boats, and they're all going like five miles across this. I, it's just hard for me to fathom. But this, this multitude of 5,000 people head from where they'd eaten the bread and they'd seen Jesus and they, they decided that they wanted him to be their king and they get in the boats and they, they travel over to the other side. Boy, if this, was a, if this was a revival meeting, we'd be like jumping up and down for joy. Look at all these people that are following Jesus. But the Bible tells us that Jesus knew the motives of the crowd. He knew exactly what the crowd thought and what was on their mind and what was on their heart. In verse 26 it says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the Father has set his seal on them. Then they said, What shall we do that we may do the works of God? One of the things that that I know is that as I look at people in the world today, I have a hard time knowing their motives. I have a hard time at trying to figure out what's going on in their heart. But the first thing that I notice here is that even if I know, if I don't know the motives, God does. He knows what's on people's hearts. 
one of the verses that might pop into your head, and, and if it doesn't, I, I'd wish it would, and it's something that we need to remember, is that God weighs the hearts. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 21. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 21. And in Proverbs 21 and verse 1, we read these words. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. God knows what's going on in here. He knows your motives. He knows my motives. And he knows what's going on inside. I could talk to you. You could, you could tell me anything you think I might want to hear. But, it's really, but really, what the only thing that matters is not what you tell Pastor Scott. It doesn't matter what you tell Deacon Bob or um, this, this person or that person or your teacher or your spiritual. What matters is that God knows your hearts. He knows your motives. And the Bible says that Jesus knew that this crowd of 5,000 people Followed him because they ate the bread. We've often talked about wanting and desiring to get people into church, into these doors. And to get them coming. And a good, still, a good attractor for people coming to church or getting inside the doors of church or going anywhere is food. It's truth, right? If we all of a sudden put a sign outside, free steak dinners, Saturday at 2 o'clock, I'm sure that we'd probably have a lot of people here. And Jesus knew that why these people were coming. And he knew their hearts. He said they didn't come because they were ready to hear his message, but they came because they ate the bread and they were filled. But let's just face it, that's a, that's a non-winning situation. Because if, if I feed you, to, I, have, I have a 17-year-old boy. If I feed him now, I could feed him the biggest meal, and he's going to run around and go play basketball or soccer or something. Two hours later, he could eat the same amount. And I, I just, we, we look at that, and you guys know, uh, most of you wives, you understand with your husband still, uh, you can feed him and feed him and feed him. It's a bottomless pit. And if that's what we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to be fighting a losing battle. And you know what? When you come to church, we're trying to feed you something that will last forever. Something that's going to change your life and change it completely. Cause if it's food that you desire, you're going to, you're going to be left wanting. You're going to have to eat again 20 minutes later. And so we look for other things to satisfy our soul. Maybe we think that fame will satisfy our soul. Guess what? The evidence is out there. 
fame doesn't satisfy the soul. It doesn't meet the real desires of your heart. Maybe you think you could do it in being a famous athlete. Guess what? Talk to famous athletes. It doesn't satisfy the needs and desires of their soul. So people begin to change and they maybe think that a career and a big house will will meet and, and meet all your desires and the things that you... No, that won't do it. Maybe lots of friends, lots of money. No. And so people begin to, te- to change to other things that they think will bring them the pleasures and the desires of their life and meet the needs of their soul. They'll turn to drugs. They'll turn to lovers. They'll, they'll try and find it at the bottom of an empty bottle. But those things don't meet the desires of the soul. It's only God. And what this world needs and what it longs for and what, what we need to provide it with is answers that are found written in the Word of God. One year at camp, um, I was doing a theme called Farm Week. And so we were doing farms and, and I had heard and uh, had come across the idea that there was a farmer who wrote a book of the Bible and that farmer's name was Amos. And so I wanted to teach these kids like little each day, have a little lesson from Amos. So all of their Bible verses were from Amos. And and I tried to grab a Bible story that would fit that little verse in Amos. And I found some amazing things in Amos. And one of them that's never left my mind is a verse in Amos in Amos chapter eight. And I'd like you to turn there this morning. In Amos chapter eight, we find that sin won't meet the desires of your heart. We found that a bigger house, that more fame, more money, drugs, sex, alcohol, won't meet the desires of your heart, the needs. I talk to people every day who said, I tried that and I found it lacking. I tried that and I found it lacking. I tried that and I found it lacking. I found God and I found Him to be everything that I need. I turned to him and my life was changed. I turned to him and I had hope for eternity. And I found a hunger for God that was beyond anything I could ever imagine. In Amos chapter 8 and verse 11 it says, Behold the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. I'm telling you today, we live in a great time, because right here, you have the words of God, That are laid out for you. And they say that Jesus Christ is all sufficient for your every need. You have a need. Sin separated you from God. Sin was less than what you desired it to be. And it left you broken and ruined. And I hope that as you come here today. You find yourself with an appetite for something that will truly satisfy. Something that will meet your need. And you find it 
in this book. Today, the Word of God is able to be everywhere, and I think we take that for granted. In America today, food is so prevalent. We criticize and critique the food. A steak is brought before us, and maybe we look at it and we go, yeah, I don't know, that's not quite done to my satisfaction. And we send it back. We want everything to be just right and just so. But still, we eat it, and two hours later, we're hungry again. We like some ice cream to go on top. We are never satisfied. If you want true satisfaction, eternal satisfaction, turn to the Word of God. Find in it the words of Jesus Christ and the promise that He has and the grace that He has to offer. And you will find it everything that you need. The question is asked in this book. It's asked, how can I earn my way to heaven? These guys say, what, what labor can I do to do the works of God? Don't labor for the bread that perishes is the, is the answer that Jesus gives in John chapter 6. It says you can work and you can work and work and work and try to find something that will meet your eternal desire. That will give you the satisfaction that you are longing for. In verse 35 has the answer that we need in John chapter 6. Let's read John chapter 6 in verse 35 when Jesus says, it says there, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never hunger thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him, the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me I should lose nothing. We should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise, in, raise him up at the last day. How do you get to heaven? It's not in doing the works of, that this world has to offer. It's not in good things that you can do. But it's by believing in Jesus. He is the bread. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, what's this communion stuff that, that they're doing? Oh, okay, I'll eat it because that's what a good Christian does. And if I want to go to heaven, I'll, I'll eat it. If that was your attitude, I'd like you to consider what Jesus is saying here. I'd like you to listen the next few weeks as we talk about the rest of John chapter 6. And about what's different about Jesus than everything else. He gave his life so that you could live. He died on the cross. He shed his, his blood. And he rose three days later. 
so that you could find eternity in Him. One of the things that I also notice in this passage of Scripture is it says, those who don't have Christ perish. But those who do are sealed. We read that this morning in this passage of Scripture. And one of the things that that I think is so, so, so important is that there's a lot of people that think they know things about the Bible. And I hear people talk about this so often. I'll beware of that number 666, the mark of the beast. And in the tribulation, uh, people are going to have this mark tattooed on their forehead or put on, on on their hand. And they focus so much on that. But as I as I look through the book of, of, of the Bible, I just see that as a knock of what, of what God wants to do with us. He wants to put his stamp of approval on us and say, that person is mine. He wants to seal you and protect you into his family. And if you believe in Jesus and what... He has done for you. Completely change your life. Those who don't have Jesus Christ as the bread of life, they're going to perish in their sins. Those who do know Him, who believe in Him, and have accepted His free gift, they are sealed. They are protected. They have a relationship with God. In Romans 6, chapter 6, and verse 23, Spells out what we're reading here in John chapter 6 this morning. It says, and you guys know it, say it with me this morning if you do. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life? It means that once we have partaken of what he has to offer, To truly follow Him. For the right reasons. Not trying to earn our way to heaven. Not following Him for the wrong motives. But truly accepting Him. Believing in Him as the Son of God. We have the hope that we can can spend eternity with Him forever. Today I hope that you're following Christ for the right reasons. Next week, we're going to begin talking about what separates a true follower of Christ from a fake. Why is it here that we see 5,000 people, a crowd so large that will soon dwindle down to a very small group following the Savior all the way to the cross? Let's find out what it means to have Christ as the true bread of life that takes away the sins of the world. And provides us with eternal, all-sufficient sustenance. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I thank you so much that you are the bread of life. Lord, because of you, the hunger that we need for, the hunger that this world desires, that the world can't give, is found only in you. Lord, I pray that you might help us To learn what it means when you say, I am the bread of life. 
For it's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.